In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Alan Fadden. And welcome to you, Carla. (laughs) That's a new one. I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) Welcome to me. Welcome to you. All right. So for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about, honestly, one of my favorite books. I think it's one of yours too, isn't it, Alan? Yeah, it is. And the best TED Talk ever. Honestly, like I want, I, I, I've watched it so many times. I have emailed this so many times. And we even had the opportunity of interviewing David Mead, Simon Sinek's co-founder, on this podcast. And uh, the, the book is Start With Why. And I know they've come out with a new book, and I wish I had the name of it. It was really recent. but uh, Leaders Eat Last is one of them. Oh, it, isn't that awesome? I mean, good night. That's just awesome. And so, but what we're going to talk about on the podcast today is the book Start With Why. And yes. we, uh, really the essence, I think, of what Simon Sinek is, you know, looking at and then what potentially we could talk about in uh, identifying to make the process have, you know, throw gasoline and a match on it because that's what we love to do. So Start With Why was uh, by Simon Sinek. And it the whole concept of the book is how great leaders inspire everyone to action. And his TED Talk views, which I just looked up today on Start With Why, were <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's the third highest view of TED Talks of all time. It had 44 million views on uh, Start With Why, which was just incredible for a TED Talk. (laughs) I mean, incredible. And one of the pieces I love about this, you know, his TED Talk and his book is the law of diffusion of innovations. And by the way, he actually says innovation and it's innovations. You guys look it up. (laughs) It is plural. Right, Everett Rogers slaved over that last S. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but, his talk is based in his book is based off of the same 110 years of research as the hoodoo method is. And by the way, many more, you know, lean manufacturing, um, lean startup. Um, uh, what's a couple others, Alan, um, the, uh, in developing technology, agile, all of these, right. you know, incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. Yep. Scrum. All of that was based off this 110 years of research, right? That um, has brought us to this point. And I think that the 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 really successful piece that the book Start with Why has is making something simple. And he calls it the golden circle. And he actually says it's the most simple thing that you can understand, right? Which is start out with the why, then the what, and then the how. So it's a simple concept and he tells these incredible stories, right? But, you know, I think it's really, really drawn out in the Wright brother story. Yeah. Which uh, you've got, what, two brothers that run a bicycle shop. Herville and, and Wilbur Wright. Exactly. And everyone knows their names. My goodness, they're on like the license plates in North Carolina, right? <laughs> 
And then you've got Samuel Pierpont Langley, who my was hero. given, what's that? My hero. You know, your hero. <laughs> yeah, right. That guy would drive you crazy. I guarantee it. <laughs> so he was given $50,000 by the War Department, which by the way, is probably close to like $5 million today. And the Wright brothers were given $0. Um, but he hired the best minds at the time to figure out how they could take flight. And the New York Times followed that man everywhere. And then you've got the Wright brothers that had no money and they used the proceeds from their bicycle shop to take out these parts. And I think they said and in his talk, it said like what you know, they had to have five times the parts because they crashed that frequently. Uh, but they were so in desire of flight. I mean, they had no college education and the New York Times didn't even know their names. <laughs> <laughs> and then on December, or December 17th, 1903, they took flight and nobody even knew, right? And, um, and it was interesting, the response when Samuel Pierpont Langley discovered that, oh my gosh, the, somebody had beat him to the punch. And I think this is kind of critical in regards to just the, the, yeah, the human condition of why, right? And, 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 and I think that's the successful part of this book. It's like, well, why did you do it? So when you look at uh, the Wright brothers and they found flight, well, as soon as he found out that they did, well, he quit. He didn't say, hey, I'm going <laughs> to make it better. Because by the way, Flight has become better since 1903. <laughs> I can guarantee you that, that we've got aircraft that is, you know, much more capable, much more, you know, dependable, all, like around the board, but he didn't care because yeah. he was in it for the rich and the famous part, right? He was in the Oops. pursuit of the outcome. I wonder if he rode the Greyhound bus for the rest of his life. <laughs> Samuel Pierpont Langley's here again at the bus station. Yeah, and I thought that was brilliant, not only in his talk, but identifying yeah. that in the book. And, 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 beautifully told. Yeah, beautifully told. And juxtaposing that and saying, you've got two guys that nobody knows who they are in a bicycle shop. And the way he and, said it, and the New York Times followed them nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> and then the coolest part about it is he actually goes back to the law of diffusion of innovations, which of course you and I are completely biased on that because we love that. And our method uh, is based off of this, but my goodness, how can you turn, you know, your head at 110 years of marketing research, right? So I think the golden circle, the why, the what, and the how is definitely cool. But as you know, that, that's not a new concept. Yeah, it, it's to me, my jaw dropped when I saw that TED talk for the first time because it was to me the most brilliant repackaging of, uh, of things that have been around for a long, long time. I had a long career in advertising and one of the first things we, we learned is, is start with the why. Now that is in, in uh, you know, like his Apple story, which is uh, in communication, uh, marketing communication external to the company. But uh, uh, for example, if you started with a how, and uh, I, had a, I had a client who uh, sold stereos, and there was a little stereo store in Minneapolis called Oh, Sound I love this Music. story. This is <laughs> and uh, they were in and out of bankruptcy all the time. And, uh, and actually, the founder was sort of like one of the Wright brothers. He just kept on 
going and kept on going. He, you know, his, his motto was, uh, you get knocked down, you get right back up again. And they always get up one more time uh, than they do and you win. And uh, in 1982, they changed their name to Best Buy. But uh, so they've done pretty well. But I was, I was their agency but, guy. Yeah. And uh, so if we we're going to sell car stereo, you'd, you, you, if you just did the, the what and the how, you'd say, hey, we, gotta, we got good car stereos here. The sound is terrific. We install them fast. Come on in. Price is right. And um, you just come in, don't even have to make an appointment. So, you know, that's not very inspiring, as Simon Sinek would have said to that. Meh. So instead, uh, another way of saying the why is take a look at the problem. See if you can intensify the problem. And that's the way we talked about that in marketing. So instead of saying we got good stereos, come on in. Instead, uh, the whole commercial started with this line. It said, Minnesota has two seasons, winter and road construction. And that phrase caught on so yeah, much because, that it's now in like Everyone knew all the traffic states. associated with both. So you better have a darn good stereo. Yeah, you're going to get slowed down in the winter. So you're going to be in your car way too long. And then the minute the, uh, the, the, the ice goes off the roads, then you're going to have to repair the roads and all the orange barriers and the warning lights go up. And now you're going to be stuck in traffic. And now it's even noisier. You'd better have a good car stereo. It was that, it was that simple. And it just uh, kind of busted their doors off and uh, sold a ton of car stereos. Yeah, Best Buy is doing pretty well these days. They're doing pretty well. And, and uh, I ran into the CEO of Best Buy at the Fortune Innovation Forum, and he says, you know, out of all the commercials we've done all these years, that's the one we like the best. <laughs> so well, it's the why. Yeah, and he sits steer at, uh, still as the chairman of Best Buy, too. So, And um, that reminds me, Alan, of the vitamin versus the aspirin. I don't even know who taught me this or said this. But you, you know, in working with any company, marketing, raising capital, you know, whatever, is that people will pay so much more for the aspirin because they have a headache versus the vitamin that will keep them from having the headache. And so that's your, you know, intensifying the problem is what he does and does it well because in identifying the why you basically, and I think he even says it, people will, um, you know, work with their blood, their sweat, their tears. Like they don't even care what their paycheck is. Right. This is that, that is their, you know, um, their aspirin to something that is causing some dissonance. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that is a huge part of why, the, the book and everything was really successful. Well, and even the vitamin people paid attention because now they're selling vitamins like aspirin. They're saying, hey, you're, here's what happens when your adrenals don't work. And then they'll, <laughs> oh, you get a headache. You can't. Here's eat. a vitamin for your headache. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a special <laughs> mixture here. It's Good point. Years, <laughs> that's hilarious. Like that, that's actually true. They're, they're using the same exact metaphor and then using it to apply it to actual vitamins. That's great. I love it. Um, so the one thing that I thought that they missed though, was 
the law of diffusion of innovations and in almost every single application of it has been towards the client, which is important. You have to make money, you have to market. However, I think they jump over the team, right? So, yeah. oh, so if we're using the law of diffusion of innovations to find our next client, well, how does your team you know, work into that scenario? And I think it's different, right? Um, because your team is going to uh, be, you're, you're gonna have to focus on the why, but then the who and the when, right? So, so, so with your client, it's the why, the what and the how. With your team, it's the why, the who and the when. But we just completely like scrape them off the board and just say, well, we've got to make money. And I think that is, in my opinion, the biggest, you know, as Jeffrey Moore would say, the chasm. You know, if, if you jumped over your team completely and just said, we have to, um, you know, do this for our clients, well, why didn't you do it for your team? Absolutely. We've got to bite the bullet and get this thing done. Everybody's going to sacrifice now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it kind of reminds me is like, you know, with the team and how we jump over them completely is, uh, you know, I know you weren't you working with, are you were at a company that was in the food industry? Oh, I was, I was uh, no, I was I working with their uh, advertising agency at the time. And uh, I was selected to be in a brainstorming session, which lasted all morning. And uh, the, the, here was the, here's the why. We want to completely revolutionize our category in the food industry. We want to be uh, in a class by ourselves. We want to be so good that nobody can ever catch us. And you know, and I'm getting all fired up here because wow, what a big why, let's go. We came up with about 190 ideas during that morning. And some of these ideas were so good that I actually skipped out of work that afternoon, came back to the little, little uh, center where we did the uh, brainstorming thing, facility, just to see what ideas are gonna, they were going to go with. And so I was so excited because, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of these ideas. And so I, I, these are like, there's a food product sold in a refrigerated section of a store, grocery store. So I walked into the place, and now these, these two clients were the only people in the room. And I look at all the ideas. They're on these huge, big flip chart papers on the wall. And I noticed on my way in that almost all the ideas had lines through them. They were crossed out, which means they were killed. And I, I'm going, oh, my God, what's going well, on? I shouldn't have left that meeting. No, I just... <laughs> Exactly. And so it's like, you know, one of our principles, never, ever kill an idea. You're going to need it if not now 15 minutes from now when everything changes. So I'm looking at the, these, these, uh, these charts, and I see my favorite ideas, the ideas I came back for are crossed out. Now I'm really getting like upset. What is going on here? These, I'm, it's a huge room. And I walk to the other end of the room and these guys are over in the corner with their little pens and they're crossing out stuff and they're writing and they're making notes and all that. I said, what happened? What happened to all these ideas? Why did you kill these ideas? And they looked and they said, oh, we just got rid of everything that had something wrong with it. 
And they said, but don't worry. We have centered, we have chosen a killer idea. We are going to revolutionize our market. And I'm kind of skeptical now. I'm thinking, geez, really? After you killed all these great ideas, you know, and I said, well, what could you possibly come up with? Yeah, what, what is it? And they, and they just, they got these big grins on their faces and they point to this paper and they point to this idea and you know what it said? And then they actually verbalized it. And here's what they said. They said, you know, on the package, how the, how the, uh, the, the front panel of the package has a rectangle on it and, it, and the, the type uh, with the logo and the name is reversed out of it in white lettering. So it's white lettering on a navy blue thing. We're going to change the navy blue rectangle to teal. Hot color right now. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It's going to revolutionize yeah. the way food is done. And there you go. That's the <laughs> challenge, right? The, oh, my God. Seriously, Choose everybody knew the why. Everybody mm -hmm. agreed with the why. The who and the when was kiboshed in that situation. And by the way, that's the process that happens before you hand it off to the client. So why are we putting the client before we have this figured out with the team? Yep. You know, and, 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 and the start with why actually applies to both. But remember, when you're talking about your team, it's, it, it's the why, who, and when. Yeah. And then and your client is your why, what, and how. Yep. And, and so what happens is when you do the why, what, and how without paying attention to the who and when, people's core natures come to the front. It just so happens that these two people were from the company. They were in power. And both of their core natures was prover. And prover will look at an idea and see everything that can go wrong. And if they don't know the process, they see no other choice but to kill the idea or to not do the idea because it's got too much wrong with it or we've done that before or it's not going to end well and it's got too expensive and then nobody will get it and so on and so forth. That kills the ideas. So without the who and the when, you can never get a great why actually implement it. because you know what yeah. wanting to revolutionize the food market is not the same as revolutionizing yeah good point there's a big five difference. frogs sat yeah. on a log one of them decided to jump off how many frogs are left five five yeah and a lot of people are thinking four what's the matter no. Carla, can't you do math <laughs> why is there five why are there five frogs left yeah well there is a big difference between being pulled to something and getting something done or yeah, doing deciding something. is not doing it, deciding is not doing and a lot of people even when they, they decide they do but they're not you know taking this into consideration and then they take the client into consideration more than they take the team into consideration right. you have to get the team aspects correct to then extend that to the client um, and and we have to remember that you know the law of diffusion of innovations has been used for years and years and years and years right yep. and so and it is a law they call it a law for a reason and people adopt ideas in a company the same exact way they adopt ideas outside of the company so you have to keep that core nature of work in that aspect of the why, who, and when, right? And then you apply the law of diffusion of innovations to the client, and that's going to be your why, what, 
and how, because they're still adopting ideas. They're just adopting it from a different perspective, but it's still the same, you know, the, the same data that is having them adopt those ideas. They just want to receive it differently because yep. the object of the exercise in a company is to get something done. It's not to sing Kumbaya. It's not to have a potluck on Friday. You know, employee engagement is a problem because when you don't put people in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, they don't want to engage because they don't want to do stuff they hate. Right? We call it all these other words and all these other things. I call um, it employee enragement. <laughs> you know what? We've, we should do a podcast on that. Yes. <laughs> I'm already planning it. All right. I, I got to write that one down. I like that employee enragement because it's true. It's, it, you know, we ask people to do things that they hate all day long. When yeah. we, how many job descriptions have we looked at? And we're just like shaking our heads, you know? And exactly. And, you know, it, it even breaks the, the uh, uh, thing that people, you know, another book we've reviewed as uh, Jim Collins, good to great. And, uh, you talk about, um, you know, when you're, he uses the metaphor of a bus, it's not the direction the bus is going in that comes first, it's who's on the bus, and not only who's on the bus, but that's your team, but who's in what seat on the bus. And that's your team working in their core nature and handing off to the right person. That's the who, which are who's on the bus, and the when is when do they get the part of the work that they do best. Mm -hmm. in the phases of the work the who and the when is the seat is the bus and the seat on the bus and and i think you know we have to bring up that and you have to put two parts of this so the ideation aspect of the process is what are we going to do right and it's getting buy-in from the team is taking the time to have everybody put their thumbprint besides the maker because they don't actually care in the ideation stage um what are we going to do, right? Uh, now, that does not change the why, the who, and the when, because you have to have the why, the who, and the when to figure out and get everybody in agreement on what are we going to do. Right. A good right. idea will never see the light of day without the why and the who and the when. Yes. It, oh, man, no kidding. Because we trample over each other and we don't do it because we don't want to change the world or put our dent on the universe. We do it because we have a core nature that we can't deny. It's like you can't deny who you are, but you have to figure out how to not co as we say, not commingle the animals or you know, keep everybody in their lane. Where are you great? Stay yep. in that lane. But, that's, but, but our natural tendencies is to run into other people's lanes. And as we always say, you know, you're kind of like crapping on everybody else on your team and not on purpose. It's just that they're different and they're not seeing it the same way. So, you know, if you're a prover and you've got a shaker and you're working with them, instead of shedding the light on what they're fantastic at, your core nature is going to say, you're an idiot. Oh, you got your head in the clouds. Gosh, you know, you're the chief idea fairy. God, squirrel. <laughs> we, say every, we say everything negative in the books about people's core natures of work. And it's funny because everybody knows them. Yep. But do you know the positive side of it? And, yep. and, and, and that's the same with ideation or, or I mean, implementation. So 
when you get to implementation, I think the critical aspect here, Alan, and we talked about this, I, I can't remember in what conversation, was that when you hand off the power to the prover, and so many people look to the mover in many aspects when they do or don't know um, the hoodoo method, and handing off that power to the prover to be able to own it and then figuring out what Although even if you do that, you know, you have to figure out how do you keep that mover as the buffer between the two? And it's that dance that you go back and forth. That's right. Because it, even if you're in, in implementation, when the prover is running things, uh, chances are you'll get stuck somewhere. And that's the time you're back in the dance and you kick it right back up to the, to the ideation stage. You put the mover in in the, the leadership of the ideation team to come up with ideas to to overcome the barrier to solve the obstacle and uh, so whenever you're stuck and you're doing the implementation phase that means you got to get a who to go to you got to get a who to go to you got to get a who to go to who's the who to go to anytime you're stuck the who to go to is the mover it's their core nature to want to move things ahead and to do so by setting priorities and always having a gut feel for what the best idea of several is. <laughs> That's so funny because everyone on any team I work with, I look at what do we need to do? And my very second thing is let's prioritize. After we figure it out and we work through it, how do we prioritize? Because we don't want to be working on number four when there's a number one. And so it, that is absolutely critical. And I think that's exactly why, and I've said this over and over again, um, you know, there's only 15% of the population that says yes to an idea and that's your mover. However, um, it's, it, unless you understand, uh, um, you know, that aspect of it. And I think you said it right, Alan, the gut feel of it. I think we have it so much easier than the other three core natures of work because we're just naturally wired to like, even if it's okay, not that, not as good as it could be. Um, we under, we, we don't have a dog in fight. We really don't care what idea happens. We don't, we want to know what's going to go wrong with it, which, you know, the shakers not going to understand and we want it to be repeated. <laughs> so well, and that's the beauty. That's, and that's why once people know this, Shakers trust movers because they know they're going to pick an idea and get it done. And that's really important to shakers. Provers trust movers because provers know that, that, that movers will listen to their objections and honor them and then help them get solved so that the best idea can move ahead. And if you can't solve the objection, the mover will choose another idea. And that's, that's good enough. That's a, one of those things, that, you know, I'm not in love with that, but I can live with it, says the prover. And then the maker, of course, uh, because of our process, doesn't have to be involved in the ideation session because they don't even want to be in the meeting. because yeah, it hurts them. And then in implementation, don't even expect them to like speak up. They just need to know the process. But I think a, another part of that, Alan, in implementation is the prover protects, protects the maker. And I think oh, that's yes. critical because we abuse our makers and we don't yep. even realize we're abusing them. Because the, both the prover and the maker are late adopters. The prover is a thinker late adopter. The maker is a doer late adopter. 
they have so much in common and it's a brewer's job uh, just as you say is to protect that maker from all these crazy ideas being brought in here that disrupt everything <laughs> i just got everything in yep. order come on now what are you they, doing to me exactly they bring it into this nice little comfortable just do these steps <laughs> this <laughs> is gonna rock your world yeah early in my career because i've probably uh you know stomped on like more makers than well because of course i'm a mover so the only red light relationship as a mover you have is a maker and the maker. reason why is because you have to stop explain things and tell them exactly what needs to happen <laughs> that's well actually for a shaker that's pretty pretty rough too it's probably even rough uh more rough than a mover so but start with why on with simon sinek fantastic amazing book uh, we just wanted to talk about a little bit that you, you start with why, well, you have to start with why, but what do you do after you start with why? Absolutely. Thanks again for being on the podcast, my friend. Yeah, thank you. This was a fun one. I love it because I love Simon Sinek and I love this book. Me too. I love his co-founder that we had on the podcast that was, I literally thought I was talking science in it too, because they just believe what they believe. They are so into their why. It's incredible. So they're definitely making their dent on the universe and we're just adding a little bit to that dent. Yeah. And of course, uh, I hope he likes the uh, parody that we did of his book title, which was instead of start with why, in big red letters, it starts with WTF in big red letters. So <laughs> that's kind of like what takes place at most companies we know know about. In exactly. Fact, that's I exactly. I, I hired a consultant to come up with that parody title. He's quite a notable character. His name's Samuel Pierpont Langley. <laughs> I think his quit, name was... He quit on me. Alan Fadden. <laughs> Langley quit on me. I don't know what happened. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, my friend. Until next time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life. <laughs>